Uh, welcome everybody. Um, this is uh, the first Bridge podcast. Um, for those who don't know me, I'm James Milner. I'm the Executive Director uh, here at the Bridge IT. Um, been working in tech for uh, well, tech recruitment for 20 years. And for our first podcast, we've got a, a stellar lineup. Um, we've got the founders of uh, an amazing startup company called GoJo. Um, we've got Phil and Will. Welcome, guys. Nice to have you here. Well, thanks for having us. No, yeah. not, not a problem at all. Not a problem at all. So we were just chatting a bit, obviously, earlier about um, leads being kind of fond in, in your hearts as well. Um, um, so I, I think we're going to start there, if that's all right. Um, yeah. Just... Tell us a little bit about your background and you know how you got through to, to setting up Gojo and a little bit about the company, but maybe maybe starting with Leeds. Yeah, I mean it started here in two thousand and three. So uh, Phil and I met on the first day of university uh, in Leeds. We're both lost at a map, actually. Is the, <laughs> uh, is the kind of the weird the weird background? But we both did a, a degree <clears throat> in law here, and um, yeah, we lived together for two of the three years and. Um, yeah, it's really close to our hearts and, and kind of as time has gone on, Leeds keeps popping up as a kind of relevant uh, thing in our lives, hasn't it? So including, you know, with Gojo, some of our big investors are kind of based here and working with the university, etc. So, um, yeah, kind of all started. And, and obviously the, the concept of Gojo um, was created here as well. And yeah, should I tell you a little bit about that? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, for the listeners, obviously, because I, I know a lot about it. We've chatted, chatted before, but it'd be kind of interesting to kind of go through a little bit of the, the concept and the story and, you know, just, just tell yeah. us about it a bit. Yeah, so as Will mentioned, we met here. Um, we lived in, in a um, quite a, a modest house, uh, to put it that way. Um, there was 10 of us kind of living in, in this house, um, all very ordinary Joes, um, which is kind of where the name Gojo came from. But we used to do this, um, start out as a stupid event where we loved sport, but we were all rubbish at it and we still are. And we used to meet up, uh, hire an athletic stadium, split into teams and compete and go kind of hell for leather each um, each year. And the events would range from 100 meter sprint, long jump, high jump, anything that could be uh, recorded. And then it would typically end in a pub somewhere doing kind of pint downing, um, coin toss, r- ridiculous events. But everything was kind of scored and we kind of got a really good social experience from that event that we kind of trained for, even though we were all rubbish. <laughs> and we still do it to this day, don't we? Um, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's um, yeah, I think the first one we hired out, we hired out at uh, Wrexham Athletic Stadium. <laughs> yeah. on a, Can I just put it out there, hiring, hiring uh, an athletic stadium is, yeah. is pretty out there like it's a really cool idea but it's quite a, a big thing to do isn't it do you know what, I mean, it, whose idea was that i can't actually remember now i'd like to say mine um, <laughs> but it was i remember it was 35 pounds to hire this massive stadium yeah. uh, and there were 10 of us kind of rocked up actually one of the guys was injured i remember we got we got him a kind of referee shirt um and uh, yeah we did as phil said we did all these kind of javelin yeah. Stuff that we were not qualified to do, frankly. <laughs> um, but it was so much fun. And what we found was, you know, as Phil said, we're all kind of ordinary guys. We love playing sport, but none of us, you know, particularly high level. Um, but uh, we just, what we found was that a number of us started to kind of train for this event yeah. in advance. And it was, you know, we've all done our kind of Tough Mudders, Half Marathons, all the physical stuff. We've all used all, all the different fitness apps. But this particular event led to us getting motivated um we came away from it every time saying this is incredible we kind of have to do something with this there's something in this you know the kind of friendly team-based social competition 
So we basically took that, we did a bit of kind of brainstorming, we took the essence of that and tried to, and thought, you know, with our professional experience, thought, okay, there's something here, um, we could potentially commercialize this. And funnily enough, the, when we started Gojo, actually, the idea was to create a physical event in, in a stadium and we, you know, kind of did all the numbers and worked yeah. it all out. And we, we, I think we even <laughs> got some developers starting on this ridiculously complex point system, which reflected our real life experience. But then we quickly realized that it was not scalable at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so quickly pivoted to creating a digital product. And that was how Gojo started, really. But it's fair, fair to say that it had already... Um, Will has too much time on his hands in life, generally. <laughs> and spent uh, would spend kind of weeks planning this stupid event, even though there was just 10 of us. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you get there, he'd made a big banner saying, like, athletes, register here, welcome to... You know, the such and such um, weekend. It was just stupid. There was merch. Um, he'd hired a drone with professional footage um, that gets edited, and we got kind of all the archive footage. So I think, you know, it just kind of grew from that. And each year, Will and I were kind of coming away from that thinking, we need to do something around this. Um, and as Will said, we kind of did the number crunching, but you can only get so many people through um, a kind of physical stadium. Yeah. And then, so we looked at creating a digital product to replicate what we were doing with our mates. It's really cool. I, know, like, I think I've seen some of the footage. I think you've got some on the website, haven't you, as well, which is pretty, which yeah. is pretty, pretty class. So oh, it sounds like you had like the idea for this quite a while ago. Um, now, obviously, I know a bit of your backstory. You were both in law as well. Um, so when did you actually take it, kind of? seriously and make that jump from going look I'm, i've got this careers in law and then actually go right i, I want to do a tech startup yeah i mean we we kind of it kind of snuck up on us really so we, we when the concept was maybe kind of 2018 2019 we were two guys in a powerpoint basically and we had our full-time jobs which were pretty demanding yeah um uh phil was a partner at the law firm i was at um team gb and um we it was a high, it was a side hustle. So we yeah. we got um, we did we had no product. We had no we we literally had a PowerPoint, and um, we started off applying for various accelerators. So uh, kind of globally, really, and we ended up getting to the final of one in Berlin, which yeah. was an incredible weekend. Um, uh, and um, we were pitching to rooms of really high profile investors, yeah. 100 odd people, it's just amazing. And the feedback we got was that we love this concept, but you've got no product and you've got no one techie on your team. Right, you okay, can't yeah, get away yeah. with not having one of those two things, but both was a problem. So then kind of through that process, we um, fortunately met our now CTO, a guy called Costi. Okay. Um, and he basically, we met him for a coffee and- uh, Was it Costa? Was it Costa, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah um, and he basically said, I love this. I'll build you an MVP or a prototype. Yeah. Don't worry about payment. Just I'll just build it for you because he really Seriously? loved the concept. That's, yeah. And that's we, it it took us a while to realise, which we do now, just how lucky we were to do that. Yeah. It was it was so kind of serendipitous because he's an incredibly talented developer, and so many startups fail in tech because of the tech and. Yeah. A lot of the time, you know, outsourcing is great and it has its place, but a lot of the time what happens is, you know, tech startup gets money in, spends it on an agency, runs into problems, yeah, and then has no money left. So we were able to build probably slow, slower at the start and then raise a bit of money off the back of that. And then and then we were both able to jump across and Phil made the leap um, a bit before me, probably six months before me. Yeah, Will, Will sent me over the top first, <laughs> kind yeah, of yeah. Uh, looking at how I'd get on. 
um, and, and then joined a little bit later. So talk, it's interesting, the jump kind of process. So we were having a bit of a chat before. Um, I think I'm a little bit oldy, certainly see by my white beard, but um, <laughs> for those watching on video. Um, but I'm, I'm not that much older than you guys, you know, like I've got family, kids and stuff like that. So to make a jump seems a little bit of a daunting task to me. Um, can you just talk us through that, that kind of process for you? You know, like have you got families and... Yeah, we've both, uh, both uh, got families and, and kids. Um, I think it was a tough process that... Um, you kind of were thinking, am I having a midlife crisis? Is this crazy? Um, but kind of got a lot of advice from people at the time. And um, we were lucky to have really supportive partners who um, knew that we kind of needed to do it. And um, uh, we're also really lucky, I think, to have kind of supportive uh, employers. So for me personally, um, I have a great relationship uh, with the law firm that I kind of left after 13 years. Um, and um, they were really supportive. They they um, gave a kind of sabbatical um, where I could basically just try it out and um, see how I got on. Um, and I've still got a great relationship with them. And there's lots of contacts and connections. And that's really cool, to um, be fair, isn't it? You know, yeah. I'm not. I, I think I can think of a lot of companies who wouldn't have done that. So that's a that's a good yeah. Thing. We had to make big sacrifices, and the one that always uh, tickles me is um, Phil had a really nice car previously in there. Uh, he one of the sacrifices he made was to downgrade his car, um, and he he bought a Fiat Five Hundred. That's, that's probably the smallest one of the smallest cars on the market. I, I don't <laughs> think it's a downgrade. Yeah. I yeah, absolutely yeah, love yeah. my Fiat Five Hundred. Um, what what did you have before? Uh, Q Seven. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, genuinely, so I've gone from you know my mates used to call my old car the hearse because it was too long. Yeah. Um, now I get called Bowser um, for, for driving around because I'm, I'm not the smallest uh, guy in my Fiat Five Hundred, but genuinely love it and um, I think making those sacrifices you know is important because we had to get lean financially to be able to um, you know Gojo as a startup couldn't pay us what we were um, yeah. earning kind of previously so it was all part of you know what we needed to do to make it work um, but it was a hard decision I think and I think you know when when we've kind of finally made the jump um, you know a lot of people uh, it took a lot of people by surprise, I think. Yeah. I, personally, I think, look, it's amazing. Like, a really, really cool thing to do. Um, you know, I've had a look at it, absolutely love it. I think it's a great concept. I love sport myself. So, like, massive kind of like hats off to it as well. Because, as I said, it can't, can't be an easy thing, easy thing to do. So, when did you actually make the, the jump? Uh, so, for me, it was January last year. Right, okay. Um, kind of, you know, formally uh, yeah. being kind of employed and, and, and going over. Um, I, as Will mentioned, I was a lawyer. Um, so there was one case where we were waiting for judgment and I kind of agreed with them that if the, we were waiting for three years pretty much um, yeah. for, for this um, to land, typically it landed uh, in the summer of last year. So I had to kind of go back to deal with that yeah. um, uh, morally. But then once that was out of the way, I was kind of yeah. back in the mix. But the decision was made easier by, you know, we just were so busy with what we were doing with Gojo that it needed us there. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot easier than, you know, and, and a lot less risk than just, you know, we, we weren't two guys in the PowerPoint, as Will mentioned, at that point last year. Yeah. Um, the, the demand was there and we were kind of working with lots of different clients. Yeah, we had, um, basically what happened was um, the product was improving. You know, we got our um, our seed money through, and then obviously this is in the middle of COVID and, or actually no, it was 
this is pretty, pretty much coincided with the start of COVID. And um, we always had, you know, as you probably know, Gojo is a consumer app. You can download it and play around with it. But we do a big, we do a lot on the workplace side. Yeah. And what we found was that pretty much straight after we got our investment and uh, way earlier than we expected, there was this huge demand in corporate workplace well-being stuff. Yeah. Know, team-based challenges, events, whatever. And um, so that kind of um, hit us for six a bit, and, and it led to us kind of developing faster in certain areas. And then we got the first ever client we got was PwC. Um, it's not a bad client. Yeah, I know. Client, it, was <laughs> it was like a, the Carlsberg email. So yeah. we'd had this theory about we, we we're not big fans of you know step challenge apps and all this kind of stuff. Um, uh, we, we like fitness. We like getting people away from their desks, moving, doing exercise, whatever. And uh, we got this email from someone at PwC, and um, it was like, oh, you know, we're looking for a product. We're a bit we're a bit tired of step challenge apps. We're looking for something different, something fun, social, blah blah. blah. Do you guys do X, Y, Z? And we we were like, this is unbelievable. We still don't know how they found us. We've asked them so many times, <laughs> and they can't remember. Um, so I've got no idea how that happened, but it, obviously once you get PwC through the door, it becomes easier to get yeah. other big clients as well. No, so, amazing. Um, yeah, we yeah. started making money, and then at that point, it was a no-brainer, as Phil says, to come over. I had um, I was at Team GB, so I, I was in Tokyo for the games. Uh, but then as soon as that was over, kind of moved over. But, yeah. um, yes, we kind of did it in stages, but sent, sent fell over the top first, as, you know, as he said. Amazing. And what a first client. And, and obviously, um, again, for people who don't know, you've got Alistair Brownlee, um, you know, as one of your um, kind of investors in it as well. How, how did you get Alistair on board? I'd like to say that it was our contacts and connections, but again, it was a Carlsberg email. Um, we literally got an email saying, um, Alistair Brownlee um, has seen what Gojo is doing and is interested in investing um, if there was an opportunity. So it was... Can I hang around with you guys more? Like, <laughs> yeah. just, like, like cool things just happen. Yeah, yeah. but that, that that came from a... Uh, it was actually GC Angels, who um, a network of Avengers. We pitched to a blank screen, basically. And it, there was a load of people who were watching our pitch. We had no idea who was watching it. Yeah, You just saw some kind of comments and questions come in from, you know, Jonathan, yeah. I've got no idea who it is. And then two weeks later, we get an email saying there's a high-profile sportsman interested. And we thought, oh, it's going to be some you know, conference footballer or whatever. But yeah, let's speak to them. And, and it was Alistair. And he loved yeah. it. I think I've seen that, actually. I think they, they kind of pitch on LinkedIn, don't they, for, for different... So they have lots of different people of different backgrounds yeah. who are like angel investors on it. But So you actually had to pitch to a, to a blank screen. You didn't see anybody who was there. Got no feedback. It's really... Um, I'd actually forgot, I'd forgotten about that. Um, yeah, it was. It was kind of, yeah, I think, again, you know, doing things physically, you, know, you can see your audience, yeah. but um, with the digital platform that was there, it was just looking at yourself, pitching, which is a bit strange. But Yeah, yeah. we used to, I mean, God knows how many, it, we've literally existed through COVID and Zoom is our, you know, I yeah. probably, I'm on Zoom probably six hours a day plus with this guy every day. Um, <laughs> Probably seen more than my wife. Um, so yeah, pitching is we've done it. I don't know how many hundreds of times yeah. now for various, whether it's clients or investment or whatever. It's, it's an interesting one that, and, and obviously we've gone down a bit of a sidetrack with it. But you know, for anybody who's out there listening who wants to, you know, who's getting involved in a startup and you know going through that process of pitching, what advice would you would you give to people? We made we've made so many mistakes and we'll continue to make them. I'd say, uh, but we just learn from them and improve. Yeah. And I think that that kind of mantra applies to particularly investment. So the very when we first started looking for investment, we 
just emailed. We didn't know what a VC was yeah. really. We didn't know really the difference between ty- types of investors, and yeah. we were just scattergunning our uh, our deck, which again was you know terrible in the first instance. But over time, once you get so many rejections, you just refine, 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 yeah. and then it, and then suddenly something will click, and then you you, you hit the right person. Um, so we had, t- as with anything in life, I suppose you, you kind of learn through failure and just refine and it takes a lot of patience it's like your dating history my dating, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but I, I think yeah are you specifically saying Will's dating history or just every, anyone's dating history no Will specifically <laughs> I, I had to watch it all the way through Leeds um, 2003 um, but I, yeah like Will says I think you just you have to get used to no and yeah. trying to understand why they said no and then fixing that and then going again um, so it was a brutal process. It wasn't just as you know lucky as you know doing a pitch and getting um, Alistair involved. I think, as well said, the different types of investors really important. And um, you know, for example, Alistair has been incredible um, in his contacts, connections, advice, um, and the rights that that he's given to Gojo um, has been you know really really helpful. And you know, for example, last night we just texted him, sent him a WhatsApp, and said. Don't suppose you're around, not really expecting either a response or availability. And it was great just to kind of meet him for dinner and um, kind of chew the fat with him and, um, yeah, just absorb as much as we can from from people yeah. like Alistair, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, we could talk all day just on investment. I mean, another one's traction. as well. For us you know, as a tech company, the word that we, we were kind of tearing our hair out was traction because it's chicken and egg with a tech uh, business because building tech is really hard and you need capital or luck in our case we've got a bit of luck yeah uh, to get costly to build something you can't get money unless you've got traction but you can't get traction unless you've got product so we were just going in this cycle for ages luckily through getting costly on board we managed to build something that was cool and we yeah got a bit of traction with that but yeah that was a dirty word for a while <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure. no really interesting stuff no genuinely really really interesting and could chat about that i'm conscious like this is a fairly short podcast i'm going to move on to some other areas but genuinely some really interesting stuff on that um just in terms of the concept of gojo again for people who listen who 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 haven't kind of heard about it previously i think it'd be interesting maybe to run through it quickly and then maybe some of like the games that you've got kind of running in there yeah so our strap line is exercise on your own but not alone so the whole core of our product is underpinned by the theory or we think it's a fact that exercising with or against people you know is more motivational and is more likely to keep you exercising keep you on that journey for longer whether that person you know is a friend or a colleague or somebody you follow on social whether it's an athlete or a celebrity so everything about our product is around that kind of core fact and we've done a lot of work with Stanford University on the kind of psychology which I won't bore you with but um, but the product itself essentially turns your everyday solo exercise into something social yeah um, so for example you can connect a wearable whether it's a Garmin or a Wahoo or a Sunto yeah. or you can use the tracker and instead of just going for a 5k run or a cycle or a swim or whatever it is and, and then that's it and uh, kind of looking at the you know, the, the the wattage or the power which some people are interested in it's actually turning that into something social so you might be in a mass participation event on our app which might be a you know an open team challenge um it might be a workplace challenge so you're competing in teams um yeah. from with uh, people across your organization it might be you know we run kind of consumer events all the time so we just run one called the squad games so you know you enter as a team of three yep. do some exercise and then after a week we knock teams out yeah so we have kind of 
infinite types of events and challenges and journeys, but essentially it's using Gojo as a motivational tool to turn that everyday exercise into something meaningful and motivational. Yeah, I think another kind of key part of Gojo is, you know, it's built into our name, the Ordinary Joe stuff. That kind of runs through the heart of what we do. And, you know, like uh, the, the, the kind of video watchers will be able to see, I'm not an athlete <laughs> in any way, which raised a few eyebrows when, you know, I was quitting my job to, and they said, oh, what are you doing? And it's like co-founding a fitness app. And um, <laughs> the, the, there was a lot of jokes around that, <laughs> rightly so. Yeah. But I think inclusivity is kind of massive for us. Yeah. So on the workplace challenges, for example, we do. The great thing about Gojo is that, you know, a, a dog walker is just as relevant to a team as a professional triathlete. Yeah. And their you know, mileage or kilometers are both counting towards the team. And it runs through everything we do, the tone of voice, the kind of spirit of Gojo runs through, you know, you don't have to be, you know, Alistair Brownlee yeah. um, to, to, you know, get out there and exercise and just do what you can. Yeah, I have to say that really appealed to me when I looked at it. Um, I, I really like the fun kind of aspect of it as well. Like I was looking through your website the other day as well, and you've got a challenge called, is it the space race? And like the the names of the people, so uh, <laughs> it's like the parodies on is it um, Bezos, um, Richard Branson, and who was the Musk. other uh, Elon yeah, Musk? Yeah. So what are your names for those for those, for those challenges? Yeah. Got Bezos, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some horrible humour, yes. yeah. yeah, it's terrible humour. Um, I'm not sure some of the audience are young enough to know to remember Frey Bentos, but I, I certainly <laughs> am. Right? And I remember getting, them in, the shi- I remember getting them in the chippy as well. Yeah, like, exactly, horrible, yeah. horrible pies for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Branston is the other one, wasn't it? Was that Richard yeah, Branston? Branston. Yeah, 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 like yeah, that, yeah. yeah. So like condiment-based humour. Yeah, yeah. Elon <laughs> so, Mustard. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's it. Yeah, it's it's appealing to yeah ordinary Joes like ourselves because again the kind of our theory is that there's loads of fitness apps out there and you know we've used them all and there's some amazing ones out there but we think that they target predominantly what they call invested athletes so these are the people that don't really need motivation to exercise it's great as a kind of diary based tracker if you go for a cycle and you can then look at that data and your wattage and stuff but they're quite serious as well very serious sometimes a bit elitist and sometimes a bit off-putting yeah what we hear um a lot um, yeah, I, I I won't name the name of it, but one a specific cycling one. So when I've like I'm not a, I prefer mountain biking. I do a little bit of road biking, but I'm pretty average at it. And like when you go out with people, and everyone's like checking out how many miles you've done and what pace you're doing. You're thinking, yeah, it is quite elitist and quite serious. And I was like, yeah, that's that's just not very. It's not very me to be honest. So so I quite I, I find yours was a lot more appealing. It's just a bit more fun. And if it is fun surely people are going to do a bit more exercise and actually yeah. encouraging people generally to do exercise is a really good thing. Yeah, exactly. So rather than seeing kind of wattage data, you'll you'll get compared to the speed of a llama or something, yeah. <laughs> which we think is more fun, shareable, yeah. vis- uh, you know, visual, interesting yeah. um, than just a, a power meter, basically. No, I like that. I like that. I'm gonna, uh, one, uh, one thing, I'm going to dip back to a comment that you made earlier, Phil, about being compared to a character out of a computer game. Um, what's your favourite computer game? Um, I'd actually say at the moment, and this is this is cringeworthy for somebody who's thirty-eight to say, but Fortnite. Um, <laughs> so my, my son plays a lot of Fortnite and has kind of got me into it, uh, which is which is an awful thing. My wife takes takes the mickey out of me for that. Um, but yeah, kind of love. Uh, again, if you look at that, you know it's a very social yeah. um, game in terms of teamwork and squads and stuff like that. So. Um, 
that's probably that for me. But I could name some old school ones as well. I think. Yeah, fair play to it. No, <laughs> it was just it was a Mario Kart kind of reference and Nintendo. Like Mario Kart for me was like was the game. I I feel like I'm a bit old. Well, you're never too old to game. No. But I'm I, I have less time to game now. But I was yeah. just I was just interested. Well, what about you? Yeah, I mean Mario Kart would be a close second, but for me it's Golden Eye. Yes. On yeah, on the N64. I mean, yes. If I was put on this earth to do one thing, it was, uh, <laughs> it was to play Golden Eye. Um, I actually. I found my my N sixty four a few years ago and I hooked it up to my I know forty two inch yeah and the graphics were absolutely horrific obviously because it yeah. was designed for screens that were this big but I just loved it it's oh it's an amazing game incredible amazing game yeah yeah, yeah um, I absolutely Will yeah. was horribly good at it as well like just annoyingly good and you're the same at Laser Quest annoyingly mm. yeah <laughs> just wipe everyone out um, yeah. yeah so misspent youth on that one no but my in- my son's now. Um, just about to turn seven, and he's massively into gaming as well. Yeah, he's into Minecraft, which I'm not as keen on. But um, some of the, some of the, some of the stuff is he's he's getting a little bit too good, I'd say. Yeah, kids it's are great fun. Yeah, it is great fun, and it, like the gamification of things, pretty mm. cool, isn't it? And I I know, and when we we had a bit of a chat a few weeks ago um, on over Zoom, and we were talking about like some of the gamification that you were putting into your into the app, and and the, one of the things that really interested me was the fact that you were giving away like NFTs. Um, so again for the listeners for people who don't know what an NFT would you be able to explain that and kind of like your theory behind putting it in and everything yeah I mean uh, NFTs can be really confusing um, and I think more recently they've had a bit of a bad rep as well probably fairly in some cases but essentially what an NFT is for the first time it gives people the ability to own something digital and evidence that ownership on the blockchain Um, and for us um, when I was at Team GB I was part of the team that um, delivered the first Olympic NFT and so knew a bit about it and then when we were working through our plans on the kind of gamification reward side of Gojo we were hitting a problem which was how do we deliver value to users that is meaningful yeah. and authentic without shipping them a tacky medal or whatever because yeah. we're not really into that and NFTs solved that problem and then they also gave us um, a big opportunity in other areas as well but essentially what it means is um, within the GoDrop, you can buy something which is uh, an NFT, or maybe you get given it for free if you, if you hit certain milestones or complete certain events. But it gives people something meaningful and tangible that they can hold in their in their wallet and, and unlock various things. But what's interesting about it as well is, um, by their nature, because you own it, you can sell it as well. So, you know, if you have something within the GoDrop app previously, if you're making an app purchase and you're, you're done with that content or whatever it is. You know, you, you you couldn't really do anything with it. But the great thing about NFTs is you can sell them, and you, or you can keep them for as yeah. long as you like. So it's, it's pretty cool. I think it's, again, it's trying to replicate what happens in real life. Yeah. In that, if you do a marathon, a half marathon, you'll get you know a goodie bag typically with some some physical you know little products in or discounts. And again, we kind of think that there's a there's a great opportunity to de- de- deliver that value in a digital way through a fitness app. So whether you're finishing an event. Um, or you hit a certain milestone, you you can get you can use your NFT that unlocks rewards and products without us having to ship them. That's pretty cool. And then, so for, for the future, for you guys, are you thinking that you might go into like the metaverse and stuff with it as well, and continue down that type of journey with it? Hundred percent. Yeah, we're building uh, what we're calling the Gojo Pavilion at the moment. Oh. Uh, we've, we've we've kind of been uh, doing a lot of playing around on the various. Um, you know, pretenders to the throne of being the metaverse, yeah. and you know, we own land in the sandbox. So we're building there. And, Amazing. And um, that's yeah, that's our kind of longer term vision. Everything yeah. we're doing now is kind of geared up 
to that because at the moment what you're seeing is there's so much confusion out there as what the metaverse is yeah. are we are we already experiencing it etc cetera, etc cetera. you know phil mentioned Fortnite, and that's yeah. fairly close to what a lot of people describe the metaverse as already but yeah it's massively in our roadmap and nfts is the first kind of piece of jigsaw for us on that and again it's it's giving value that that is for things that are already happening so to give an example um for some of the bigger corporates that we work with we do like a virtual closing ceremony and that at the moment that takes place via zoom and if they have a professional athlete that is captaining a team or being a challenge yeah. host for example um we do a bit of q a and they give shout outs and prizes to the participants um but for us we kind of see in the gojo pavilion that's in the metaverse the extension of that is you know being able to see them on a stage yeah. they're being more interactive they're being stalls from brands and stuff like that and on, on the nft side again that that is kind of huge so it's for everything we do it's about utility practical benefits yeah i think will mentioned before about nfts getting a bit of a hard ride in in some respects and i think that's because they haven't given value to people yeah so for us it's all about you know can we give our users or or those in our community something tangible and, and real and, and that's important to us yeah and has it been received by by like the customers really well so what we're proud of is that the vast majority of the corporate clients that we've worked with have come back again multiple times which is really important to us so you know everybody from kind of premier league football clubs to um kind of fashion brands yeah. to global drinks manufacturers to accountants lawyers and stuff it they all kind of share the same problem at the moment, which is connecting their staff, yeah. um, being able to put a smile on their face and also recreating when you're making a brew, those little conversations that you have. Um, in some respects, it's nothing to do with the challenge, but it's engaging them. Yeah, I, I, that's a massive one, to be honest, I think. You know, look, um, you know, being someone who, who kind of runs a team in, in a business. Like we, you know, I think we were just having this chat before, before yeah. we were doing this, is like, you know, we come back from COVID, like some companies have been fully high, you know, fully remote previously. We were fully in the office and then we, we went fully remote and now we're hybrid. And it's like, how do you connect everyone back together? You know, and it's, I think anyone who's in a similar kind of job to himself is thinking the same things at the moment. And anything that can help that is a, is a really amazing thing. Um, especially with like the well-being aspect as well. You know, I'm a big believer in trying to keep people fit and healthy as well. It's so I, I love the product, but it's a, it's a really it's an in, really interesting point that as well from the engagement side. Yeah, the, the, yeah, we always talk about that, don't we? The kind of the water cooler moments, because yeah, I guess just to echo that, I mean, what you get when you work from home is you know the, the ease and the convenience of jumping on a Zoom or Teams, but it's actually the gossip and the, <laughs> yeah. the chat and the just yeah. the, the, the the importance of that social interaction that you know we try and uh, help with, basically. Yeah. Um, it's, it's crucial, yeah. I think one of our clients, uh, not on the high street, said that um, it pretty much Gojo shut their company down in the sense of their all company meeting turned into like Gojo hour, um, <laughs> which is great to hear. And you know, g- getting people think you know away from their desk and just talking about other stuff um, is really important. And I think we've had amazing feedback from our clients that, that Gojo does that for them. Um, and it's something that the staff actually want to do and use. Um, I think there's a lot of products out there that are kind of forced by HR on the staff um, that don't get used. So it's important that for us, again, the staff 
drive the decision making and wanting to do it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So no, it, it, that, it's a really interesting point that as well because I think often, yeah, things are pushed down from above, mm. you know, without asking anyone's feedback, and um, and and then you don't get the engagement on it. Um, so yeah, an interesting one. In terms of sports, like you said, for you're not massively sporty for someone running a sport tech company what's your what's your what's your sport of choice what's your favorite sport so, i'd have to say cricket cricket or football um i'm a cricket man myself yeah i um played cricket in australia during a gap year many many years ago and um uh, finding the time to play i think these days um but yeah i love a bit of cricket i love kind of watching all sorts of different sports yeah um giving it a go um, you're a bit more kind of into football aren't you yeah I was always into football matter yeah Phil's actually a really good cricketer you wouldn't say it but um, yeah you haven't played it for ages now have you I was going to say if you're playing if you're playing in Australia free, you're going to be pretty good who did you, who did you play for um, so I played my club at home with, was Birkenhead Park Cricket yeah. Club um, and in Australia played for a club called Auburn um, and trained with Bankstown um, but yeah I loved it loved yeah. it I was kind of like a very, 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 very poor club cricketer, Shane Warne, um, <laughs> is, is what I model myself on. Um, but um, yeah, I think anything, I think we're both of this kind of same, um, we, sh- we love sport, like yeah. the, the house that we lived in, you know, a- anything sport-based that you could compete at, we'd always have a go, badminton. We managed to shoehorn badminton into our law degree, mm. if I remember, yeah. in that we... <laughs> We picked uh, an elective, um, literally badminton, that counted towards our law degree. So we're always you picked badminton as yeah. part of the. Yeah, yeah we're pretty good at finding loopholes. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. We we had um, badminton was one of our modules, uh, and uh, was it com- some kind of computer? It's called um, Know Your PC. Know your PC, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which was literally, <laughs> it was literally like name the keyboard, mouse, etc. Yeah, yeah. they're the components of your computers. But that was great. I mean, that was, yeah, that's, um, you know, back in the day when I think between us we were probably about 10 stone lighter. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say how many of those stone. That's the irony, you know, we're both, we're both put on weight from yeah. since the crazy thing is we use it so much and we're, really active but it, what it doesn't do is sort your diet out and yeah. particularly in your case that's, oh, that's <laughs> savage it's defamatory yeah 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 but it is an it is an irony isn't it it's, um, it's just we're just so busy and probably yeah. tell from the bags under our eyes but um well that could be the drinks last night though can't it yeah yeah we, 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 we didn't we weren't going to mention that but, um uh could be could be yeah well, when in Leeds, you got to, you got to, you, yeah, you know, exactly. if you're at uni here, then you know it would have been wrong not to have gone out yeah, for a few, yeah. wouldn't it? So, when in Leeds, yeah. <laughs> <When> in Leeds. <laughs> um, so, uh, one of the things I'm quite interested in as well, and like I've been, I think I chatted to you, you guys about this last time, was a little bit of like kind of advice for younger people, like um, about choosing careers, so, and obviously with yourselves, you know, you got you went into law, and then had this massive career change, and now you've gone into like like a tech startup. Um, and 
I think I said to you, we've been doing some work with universities recently on chatting to people about how to find that passion or what you're kind of interested in. Um, I'd just be interested in any like hints or tips that you guys have got on on kind of like when you're at university or even before on kind of like identifying like what you want to do in later life and you know finding that ideal kind of passion and career because you, you, you talk so passionately about like the app here and I can imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, that you probably wouldn't talk this passionately about law. Mm. So it's like any hints or tips that you could give to to younger people and on trying to find that thing that kind of lights a bit of a spark yeah I mean for me uh, we've talked about this a lot um, I think Phil was the same but we kind of fell into law I think both of us it was a good degree we didn't really we weren't particularly inspired by anything else I, I kind of fell into it and then as a result of that at the other end of it fell into a legal um, career was never particularly passionate about it thankful for it because it gave me a lot of the skills and experience that is now that are now massively relevant but I think what I would have loved is someone telling me don't worry about a career do what you're really passionate about and then you'll find a career from that yeah um and, and that's what you know that's what I'm gonna feedback to my sons as well you know whatever it is I, I think just find your passion and kind of follow that um we kind of we've taken quite a strange route at quite a, I suppose quite a rare age as well because you know we've got young families as we said and it's really difficult to transition from a secure quite well-paid job to a high-risk <laughs> startup in, yeah. in tech and and uh, that's I think probably quite ballsy um, but yeah I think you know going back I would have um, I'd probably advise you know my younger self to just do just you know pursue something you're really passionate about so it's a real cliche isn't it but yeah it's true for me no that makes sense I think for, for me as well literally picking up the phone to people um, so if you think you might have an interest in a certain job literally picking up the phone it's quite you know it could be quite intimidating to do I guess but speaking to people and saying can I come and work with you shadow you for a week mm, yeah yeah that kind of proactivity I think you know not trying to find ways that you everybody's kind of swimming in the same direction for vacancies and going through the applicant processes for stuff but just literally just trying that human level I think when I was in law, for example, you know, nobody ever picked up the phone to me and said, can I come and do some work experience with you? Yeah. And I think ha had you had that phone call, 100% would have said yes and sorted them out. So I think definitely just be proactive and just try and find creative ways. Yeah, it's an interesting one that actually. We, so before you guys came in this morning, we were actually on a, um, we were doing a presentation to Huddersfield Uni actually on, they, they had a, a group of people who've done a, like an AI bootcamp and we've done, it's like a kickstart your careers kind of um, presentation. And that's one of the things that actually we've been trying to do is link people in with companies to do a bit more work experience. You know, I think it's, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I did it when, when I was younger that you, you actually did work experience and you went to a lot of different companies, but I'm not sure that people do it as much these days. So I think it's a yeah. good, good point. That. I, I, yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. I, I got, you know, one or two emails when I was at Team GB from people interested in just meeting for coffee, and I had some mate. I was delighted to do that, and then you know, both of them they managed to get you know work placements at other other places. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's thinking outside the box and approaching people, whether it's on LinkedIn or whatever. Yeah, because they do get noticed. Yeah, and maybe from our side, making it more available to people as well. Um, yeah. yeah. The other thing for us as well is. Um, uh, I guess just to mention because we've just taken on a couple of young people through the Kickstart. Um, yeah. Uh, government program as well which has been amazing uh, actually we, we interviewed a few people for that and um, 
yeah, really young. Uh, one of them in particular, um, you know, she she won't mind me saying, we've said to her yeah, kind of since that in her interview, it's the most nervous I've ever seen anyone in my life. But actually we found kind of her passion, which was, you know, creative design and she's been working with us for the last few months. She's been absolutely incredible. So that's a great, yes. uh, been a great scheme. For that us. sounds really cool. Um, last questions, because I've been told that we need to wrap it up time-wise. Um, kind of along that theme, um, it, it, when you were like five or six, what, what would be, what was your dream job? I think for me, a pilot, um, I can remember being um, on, on, a, on a flight to Tenerife and uh, this was, oh, this is going back many, many years, but where security was a little bit different. But I can remember um, the air kind of steward saying, um, would you like to meet the pilot? And I was like, yeah, great. And, you know, went in the cockpit, pressed a few buttons. He said that I'd helped turn the aeroplane. So it was, hard, it was I, I'm never sure whether that was true or not, but I'd like to believe it was. And, you know, that, again, I suppose it's like similar to what I was saying before, getting, I'm not, I'm not saying ex I had experience of flying, but just having that kind of interaction, I'd love to have been a pilot. Uh, I'm not sure why I didn't pursue that, to be honest. I might, might still time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, mine was pilot as well, Random. We've never discussed this, but um, I'm not a great flyer now. So, um, I'm one of those people that, you know, if there's turbulence, my knuckles go white. So, um, although, funnily enough, when we were in, we travelled together for a year in Australia and we flew, uh, we flew a plane, oh, didn't we? That was incredible. Which crazy. Um, you know, you give them one of those little biplanes yeah, and yeah. you go up in the air and then the, the instructor kind of puts their hands on your shoulder and you're doing uh, whatever. Yeah. You know, barrel holes or whatever. Wouldn't do that now, no chance. Weirdly, pilot was mine as well, randomly. I mean, obviously, we've never talked about this. Yeah. So I, I have, I've flown a plane once and flown a helicopter once. So my wife got on both for me. It was amazing. I absolutely loved it. But again, I don't know why, why I never really pursued it, to yeah. be honest. But it's a cool one. Yeah, the yeah. place um, Will mentioned in New Zealand is so good. Like, it just takes you up to a safe height where if you, like, stall it, whatever, um, he could recover it. But it was just amazing, like doing like loop the loops, barrel rolls, and stuff like that. It was incredible. So yeah, it was the north of the South Island in New Zealand. If anyone's visiting New Zealand, definitely worth doing if it's still there. Yeah. It was the day before I think we did uh, the Nevis bungee jump as well, which I think is the second or it was the second highest bungee in the world. And uh, yeah, Phil um, had a little uh, one too many beers before that. I think. I think it was quite nervous yeah, trying to set the edge off. Trying to set the edge off. But yeah, there's some comedy footage of that. I've not so, done a bungee. I've done a parachute jump. That was cool. Bungee's the next one. And actually, so bringing it back to Goldeneye, you know, the bridge in Goldeneye, yeah. they do the bungee off that. That's actually in Switzerland, and you can do the bungee off there. Yeah, really so that's that's next on my bucket list. That is. So. I, don't, I don't think I'd fancy another bungee. The <laughs> <laughs> stomach. So I think, unfortunately, that's the end of it. Um, but thanks for coming in, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, that's a wrap, unfortunately. Oh, but thanks for having us. Yeah, no problem at all. And hopefully we'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks. thank you.